Um, so Father's Day today, I get to preach, and I'm really excited about that. I, I've been excited about this message all week long because the Holy Spirit just kind of dropped the word into my lap. And I'm not going to be super long today, but this word, I want every wife, grab your husband's hand right now. If you're sitting by your husband, look at your husband with all the sincerity in the world and say, honey, you can do this. Because today, thank you, honey, because today I'm talking about the word intimacy, intimacy, and whether you are man enough to admit it or not, that word can scare the pants off of you, right? All the, all, there is so much nervous laughter going on in the room right now, it's unbelievable. Us guys, we're not sure how to take that word when it comes to be good, whatever's going on over here. But when it comes to our relationship with God, us men, we really don't know how to translate the word intimacy very well. Um, and I will say right off the bat, I am preaching at myself because this is something that I have by no means perfected. And I still struggle every week in this um, as far as it comes to my time alone with Jesus. Um, so I want to start today. I just want to read this to you, so just listen. Uh, my message today is called The Most Important Thing. Listen to this quote. This is powerful. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you will do with your evening, how you spend your weekends, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love, stay in love, and it will decide everything. Now notice, the first word of that quote was not who you are in love with, but what you are in love with. What seizes your imagination will affect everything. So my question to you this morning is, what are you in love with? What are you in love with? The term in love means a profoundly tender, passionate affection. A profoundly tender, passionate affection. And if you're struggling today, no matter where you are in life, no matter if you're male or female, old or young, if you're struggling today to answer that question, what are you in love with? Here's how you can determine what you are in love with. Because what you are in love with determines how you spend your time. What you are in love with or who you are in love with determines how you spend your time. So think, outside of the context of work or school, your free time that you have throughout the day, how do you spend it? You can't argue with this. I've tried arguing with this, and you cannot argue with this statement. How you spend your time determines what you are in love with. 
Because in love means a tender, passionate affection. Where's it at? There it is. Husbands, we can show more affection to this than we do our wives any day of the week. We will spend more time zoned in and focused on our phones, on social media, on television. We show more affection to an inanimate object than we do to our spouse. We are more in love with our phones. We are more in love with our computers. We're more in love with our jobs than we are with our wives and with our children. What are you in love with? How do you spend your time? Jesus was in love with his father. Jesus would regularly carve out time to pray, to commune, and to lean in to his father. All through the gospels, all through his life, you see Jesus separating himself from his ministry, from his friends, from his family, from people that needed him the most because the most important thing to Jesus was the time he spent with his father. Open uh, your Bibles to Luke chapter five. I'm gonna be reading from the Passion Translation. You follow along. I'm gonna start in verse 12. Here we go. One day, while Jesus was ministering in a certain city, he came upon a man covered with leprous sores. When the man recognized Jesus, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet and begged to be healed, saying, if you are only willing, could you completely heal me? Jesus reached out and touched him and said, of course I am willing to heal you, and now you will be healed. Instantly, the leprous sores were healed and his skin became smooth. Jesus said, tell no one what has happened, but go to the priest and show him you've been healed. And to show that you are purified, make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded. You will become a living testimony to them. Verse 15, after this miracle, the news about Jesus spread even farther. Massive crowds continually gathered to hear him speak and to be healed from their illnesses. But Jesus often slipped away from them and went into the wilderness to pray. Verse 16, but Jesus often, say that word, often, often slipped away from them and went into the wilderness to pray. If anyone in history could have used the excuse, you know, kind of an ego complex that these people need me. I can't take time away. They need, they need to be healed. They need to hear what I have to say. They need to be in my presence. I can't leave right now. How many of you know you're like me and sometimes we have a problem, we need to be needed, right? We need to be needed. And Jesus could have used that as an excuse, but he didn't. And this isn't the only time we see in scripture Jesus doing what he did and getting away. These verses are on the screens. Matthew 14, 23. This was right before Jesus walked on water. After the crowds dispersed, Jesus went up into the hills to pray. 
And as night fell, he was there praying alone with God. Mark 1.35. The next morning, Jesus got up long before daylight, left the house while it was dark, and made his way to a secluded place to give himself to prayer. Intimacy happens in private. I mean, married couples know what I'm talking about. Intimacy happens in private, and Jesus needed to get away with his father, alone with his father. And as you see here, it didn't matter what time of the day it was. Sometimes it was in the morning. Sometimes it was all night long. Sometimes it was right in the middle of the day. It was before he chose his disciples. It was before he was tempted by the enemy in the wilderness. It was before he walked on water. Jesus It's not that just because he was the son of God, he was able to do everything he did. It was because he spent time with his father every day. Intimate time. Check out one more verse, Luke 6, 12. This is right before he chose his 12 apostles from those who followed him. After this, Jesus went up into the hills, the high hills, to spend the whole night in prayer with God. See, these were not patronizing scraps tossed God's way. They were intentional and intimate moments of connection during which nothing else caught Jesus' eye. Read that. I'm going to read it again. This is so vital. These, talking about these times Jesus would get alone with God, these weren't patronizing scraps tossed God's way. They were intentional and intimate moments of connection during which nothing else caught Jesus' eye. See, Jesus gave God the best of his time, not the leftovers. And that's easy to do. That's easy to do with our time, and it's easy to do with our money. Let's take tithing, for example. If I have enough money by the end of the month to pay my tithe, I will. If I have enough time by the end of today, I'll spend it with Jesus. And we, I make those excuses all the time. It's so easy to do. But we see Jesus being intentional about daily getting away, and not just time, but quality time. Hours Jesus would spend alone in intimacy with his father because he had to. God wants our best because he gave and he gives his best all of the time. Our father will not settle for anything less than best. So if God gives it to you or he doesn't give it to you when you want it, it's because he has something better and he's giving you the best. Because that's how our Father works. We need intimacy with our Heavenly Father because everything else flows out of that, even for Jesus. I say this all the time. What you do for God needs to come from your time with God. And even for Jesus, everything flowed out of the intimacy he had with God. 
How many of you know what it feels like to burn out? How many pastors and ministry leaders have you heard over your life that go through burnout? Do you know why they go through burnout? Because they keep pouring out and pouring out and pouring out without being filled up. I can tell when I'm doing that. You can probably tell. When I'm leading worship or when I'm preaching, when I'm talking with you, it's probably pretty apparent when I'm trying to give out of an empty tank because I'm not on my game. I haven't spent enough time with my father. I'm trying to do it all on my own wisdom, all on my own strength, all on my own experience. And we go through the routine of performing, performing, performing without being filled up. Your father wants your intimacy over your performance any day, any time. But us men, we struggle with that because we're doers. We're fixers. And I want to do and I want to fix because it makes me feel good when I accomplish something. It builds up my self-esteem and my ego. So I like to serve. And there's nothing wrong with serving. There's nothing wrong with helping Doing the work of the ministry, that's what we're to equip you to do. But if you're all the time just working, 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 and you're not spending time in his presence every day, being filled up with his spirit and empowered by his spirit, you're going to miss it. Your striving is going to be in vain. You're going, that these are the people that are going to stand before the Father And they're going to be like, God, I cast out demons in your name. I perform mighty miracles in your name. I did all of these things in your name, Jesus. And he's going to say, I didn't know you. You never spent time with me. You were so busy trying to please me and do the right thing and make people happy, but you never took time with me to know my heart. So I want to ask you a question today. And I need some participation here. Here's the question. Look on the screens. Why did Jesus come to the earth as a man? Somebody raise your hand and answer that question. Why did Jesus become a man and come to earth? Bonnie. Okay. To let us know what it was like being human, all of the emotions that go with our humanity. Absolutely. Why else? Why did Jesus come to earth, pastor? Because one man's sin, Adam, mm-hmm. because of one man's sin, Adam, we needed a second Adam, which the word says, in order to take away that sin. Absolutely. Why else? Taylor. Because he loves us. Mike. Did you? You've read the book. That's right. Okay, so. Very good. I shouldn't have called on you. I forgot we, uh, we, we got you guys this book. So, okay. Man, took all the wind out of my sails, Mike. That's all right. So, Jesus. This is a phenomenal book. After I'm done, Leslie and I are reading this together. We'll let any of you borrow it if you want. It's called God is Good. It's by Bill Johnson. And we got it from Mike and Liz. Um, they've been reading it. And obviously, they're further than I am because he knew the answer. Um, <laughs> So, so in this book, Bill Johnson, 
he goes down through a list and similar answers to what we've all said, and it's what I would have said without reading the book. Jesus came to atone for our sins. He came to destroy the works of the evil one, uh, to make an uh, dis- open display of the foolishness of the devil. He came that we may have abundant life. He came to initiate a present tense awareness of the kingdom. He came to save men's lives. Here's what I want to read you. This is not at all a comprehensive list, but it is enough to illustrate my point. I had studied this subject from cover to cover, yet I missed the primary reason for Jesus' coming. Jesus came to reveal the Father. Every point I had on my list was actually a sub-point of the primary reason. I love this. Jesus came to a planet of orphans to reveal what we needed most, a father. Tragically, that wonderful revelation suffers under the broken condition of our present family culture because so many have suffered under the abuse or neglect of their biological fathers. The wonder of this phenomenon is often lost. On the other hand, there's never been a moment more ripe for this greatest answer to human brokenness and need. Most of the ills of humanity would be healed with that one revelation. Jesus came to set our focus, attention, and affection on the Father who is good. I agree wholeheartedly with what he says. There are so many powerful revelations of God in Scripture, but because of our broken condition, because of our culture, we lose the power behind those revelations. Just like that, God is the perfect Father. But yet, because of what we have experienced, many of us abusive or neglectful or non present dads, we really want nothing to do with God as a Father. It's funny how our experience determines our interpretation. I heard a story one time of a missionary um, was uh, ministering in a foreign country. I can't remember where it was or who he was, but he was talking, and wow, this hit me hard. He said, after they were done worshiping, someone from that, that tribe, that wherever they were, came up to him and he said, you know, you sang that song, Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, like a fragrance after the rain. We know that song. Well, he said, what you need to understand is when it rains here, the water causes the sewers in the streets to rise. And afterwards, when the waters recede, what's left is the sewage laying all over the streets. So what we interpret as a fragrance after the rain is very different from what you interpret as a fragrance after the rain, right? Our interpretation is based so often off of our experience, like we talked about last week, reading through our lens, what we've been through and what we see, then actually from a pure heart, reading his word. And he's your father. And that is the greatest revelation Jesus came on a mission for us to know. Jesus was the first person to receive the mission of revealing the nature and the goodness of God because no one else ever could. He was the only one that had an intimate relationship with the Father. No one else before ever had except Adam and Eve. And no one else had ever been given that assignment. 
we can get such a skewed view of God if we only read the Old Testament and we don't allow the New Testament and the New Covenant to interpret the Old. Because we see God as a judge, as an angry creator, as a God of wrath. And there were those moments, but that isn't his nature. That was the result of our own wickedness and our own decisions. But Jesus came to reveal the Father, and he did it three ways. Check this out. John 14, 9. Jesus says, for anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. If you see the Son, you see the Father. John 12, 49 through 50. Don't, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. So when you hear Jesus, you hear the Father. Last one, John 5, 19. So Jesus said, I speak to you this timeless truth. The Son is not able to do anything from himself or through my own initiative. I only do the works that I see the Father doing. For the Son does the same works as the Father. Jesus, he looked like the Father. He heard and spoke the words of the Father. And he did only what the Father did because he spent intimate and intentional time with the Father. How many of you know the more time you spend with someone, the more you begin to speak like them and act like them? My mama told me that. Right? The more time you spend with someone, the more you begin to copy their behaviors and their traits. You speak like them. You talk like them. My mom would say, that's not how you talk. Who have you been hanging out with? That's why we would tell our youth over and over and over again, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Because who we spend time with, they, they rub off. And when we spend time with the Father, he rubs off on us. We begin to talk like him. We begin to act like him. We begin to hear his voice and speak his words. Because we spent time with him. Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, his mere image. What is God like? Well, look at Jesus. Look at what Jesus did. Look at what he said. Look at how he acted. Because he is the mere image of the heart and the nature and the goodness of God. Let that sink in today. Let how you feel about the Father be from the, the revelation and the identity of the Son. Read the Gospels. Get to know Jesus. And that's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of God. Bill Johnson says this, everything that we love and admire about Jesus is actually a precise and calculated manifestation of the Father. God is the Father, and the Father is good. Is God good? 
all the time. He's nothing but good. He can't say anything other than what is good. He can't do anything other than what is good. He is a good father. Jesus came to manifest the goodness of the nature of God in everything he said and he did. His miracles, his compassion, his love, his acts of kindness, even his discipline, when he would discipline his disciples or when he would discipline the religious leaders, it was all out of the nature of the Father. It was all out of love and kindness. Jesus came to reveal that nature and he came to reveal an invitation to intimacy with the Father because as we know, that was unheard of. It was impossible. We were not capable of having intimacy with the Father until the cross. So Jesus came and his message that resounded through all his miracles and all of his acts, everything he did was, if you love me, you will love my Father. Get to know him. Because they did not understand the true nature and heart of God. And Jesus came to reveal that. And everything he said and did, he came to reveal the Father. There are many important things in life. But intimacy with God is the most important thing. Intimacy with the Father. And I know some of you are sitting there today because I may be doing it if I was sitting there listening to this message. You are making every excuse in your head for why what I'm saying is wrong. Travis, my, uh, my family needs my time. You know, I'm at work all day long and then I come home and, I mean, that time needs to be spent with my family, right? Know what your family actually needs most is you spending intimate time with the Father and then you will become a husband and a father like you never dreamed you could be. Stop making excuses. Travis, stop making excuses. Here's what I tell myself. All right, I'll be real. Okay? So, one thing Leslie and I have prided ourselves on, and it's really nothing to do with us, it's just we have girls that sleep very well. Our kids, they sleep. And so I love it because we, have, we put them to bed around 8, 8.30 at night, and then we have a couple hours to ourselves. And then normally our girls will sleep in until about 8.30, 9 o'clock the next morning. And so we get up and we have our, our time together. And I'll make excuses like, well, I need that time with my wife. I need to be spending that time with her. And we actually do devotions together. We spend time with God as a couple. Another excuse I'll make is, oh, it's so early to get up. You know, it's, I mean, we normally get up around 7, 7.30, and it's so early in the morning. Yet I get up every Sunday morning at 5.30 to come in here and do my job, get things ready. And God is like, wait a minute, Travis, you can get up every Sunday morning at 5.30, no problem, and come in here and start working and get things ready for the service but yet you can't get up a little bit earlier to spend time with me because I put performance over intimacy. That's why I said I'm preaching to myself. 
I've in no way perfected this. My wife teaches me way more about intimacy than, than any other person. Intimacy with the Father, I mean. Intimacy with the Father is an invitation, not a duty. You hear me, guys? Men? Invita- or intimacy with the Father is an invitation, not a duty. It's not like your job. It's not like mowing the lawn, taking out the trash, paying the bills. Those are duties. Intimacy is an invitation. Your father is beckoning you to spend time with him. I say it like this. His presence is better than anything else I can ever do. Spending time in his presence is better than anything else I can spend my time doing, period. So, Taylor, you can come up. Um, so here's, here's the best part about this. He helps us. He doesn't just say you need to do this, try harder, do better. He helps us. He says, I love you so much, and I want you to spend time with me so much that I'm going to give you a helper to help you do this. It's John 14, it's on the screen, verse 16 and 17. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and will live inside of you. Another word, uh, Troy, go back one slide. I will ask the Father and he will give you another Savior. Do you know how that word another is actually translated? One exactly the same. One who is exactly the same. Jesus is the mere image of the Father. The Holy Spirit is the mere image of the Son. They are the same. And the work he is doing, read this. This is Bill Johnson as well, speaking of the Holy Spirit. The work that he is doing in us is all about deepening our connection to the Father who brings. Okay, so here's what we're missing, guys. Here's what we're missing so often. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings identity, purpose, destiny, and an awareness of unlimited resources to accomplish our purpose in life. We're looking so hard. We're looking for love in all the wrong places. We're looking for purpose, and we're looking for identity in all the wrong places. We're looking to our friends. We're looking to our spouse. We're looking to our jobs. We're looking to our bank accounts. We're looking to our car and our house and everything else to give us identity and to give us purpose and to make us feel like a man, right? And we're not looking to our Father. He's the only one that can affirm that in us. The type of husband you really want to be is only found in the Father. The type of father you want to be is only found in your Father. And the Holy Spirit is the one that is drawing you in closer and deeper to intimacy. 
Not making this up, guys. So can I challenge you today? And we're not going to have a traditional altar because it won't do anything for you. Because this is nothing that can be accomplished just by walking up here to the front of the stage. This is accomplished in you. Tomorrow morning, tomorrow evening, whenever, later today, you making an intentional decision that I will never live another day outside of intimacy with my Father. I will reprioritize my time and everything else going on in my life. Because here's what I said. I want it to be like this. How would you feel if you go an entire day without eating? I've said this so many times. You've probably heard it a million times, but it's no less important. If you went an entire day without a meal and you laid your head down on your pillow at night, you would be aware that you did not eat. It would affect you. It would affect you physically and mentally and emotionally. So why is it that we can go an entire day without spending time in his word and in his presence and lay our head down on our pillow and just go right to sleep without it affecting us at all? It shouldn't happen. It should affect us just like not eating, not drinking. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. He is the one who sustains us. And his mission, the mission of Jesus was to reveal the Father. Our mission is no different. But we cannot do it. We cannot lead our families. We cannot love our wives and our children, men, like we should outside of intimacy with our Father. Spending time with him, being poured into through his word, through his Holy Spirit, Nothing happens outside of that. If Jesus needed to do it, we definitely need to do it. I definitely need to do it. You hold me accountable, okay? I give you that permission. Any of us on this staff that lead you, you hold us accountable to this as well. Because the last thing you need are pastors and leaders who aren't spending time with their father. We want the revelation we bring you to come out of that. Anything you need comes from that place. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're battling today, depression, anxiety, and illness, lack in your finances, whatever it is, the answer to it is found in intimacy with the Father. So can I have every guy stand up and come right up here to the front of the stage? Every single man. Okay. Press in. Get nice and close. What movie is that? The uh, wedding planner? Going to do the manly bonding, right? The manly bonding. Okay, now I want all the women to stand up and just stand behind the men. If you can see your husband, you can kind of position yourself close to them. And I'm going to have all the women extend their hands, and we're going to pray over all of us men here today. 
And Taylor's going to lead us in a song, and that's going to be how we close. Men, this is a deciding moment for you, for me. Let's make this the best Father's Day ever. Let this be a Father's Day you can look back on years and years down the road. Be like that. That was a mark in my life that changed me. And maybe, hey, Please do not misunderstand if I'm not trying to make it sound like none of you are doing this. But I know for me, I can always do it better. So I, I have no doubt there are many of you, you can probably hear the voice of the Father clear, more clearly and loudly than I can. Keep doing it. Keep leading us. Keep setting the example. So I want every lady in the house extend their hands towards these guys and father continue calling us continue beckoning us to come and be with you for our identity our purpose our security our image should all be found in you, in your presence, where you form us and you shape us more into the image of Jesus. That's what it's all about. We want to look like Jesus because we want people to see you. Jesus revealed the Father. We want to reveal the Father in all that we do. We want to live in the power and the boldness of Christ, in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. I pray any addiction, any chain right now fall off in Jesus' name. That any excuse we make for why it's more important I spend my time doing this and spend my time in your presence, God. I pray those excuses would lose all of their weight right now. That your Holy Spirit would lovingly begin to convict our hearts and draw us in and draw us close and draw us deep into you. You call us deeper still into love. Call us deeper. Give us wisdom. Give us strength, Holy Spirit. All of us in this room, every man, woman, boy, and girl, God, doesn't matter how old we are, we still need you. We still need your presence more today than we did yesterday. Intimacy. Intimacy.